Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is Ben. And Why are we whispering? I don't know because it's the start of the episode. So we keep low energy, is it? Yeah, so we can't okay. be excited because we're excited because, hey, Dill, congratulations. It's our 100th episode. Hey, 100, we can't high five. No, we can't. Because yeah, we can clap it out. Can we clap it out? Yeah. Give myself Little crap. golf claps. <laughs> Um, as you're aware, well, we recorded this uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and we're very excited to have. So, obviously, if you've got to this point, you know it's Will Anderson who is the guest, who is yes. a lovely, lovely listener, and one of our biggest supporters, supporters. biggest supporters, and uh, I think he also does comedy. Like, I think he does a stand-up. I think comedian. he does. And I think he's on TV sometimes. This thing called stand-up comedy we used and to do. And then he's on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, what well, we used to do. That's right. Um, no, but the reason we actually uh, uh, wanted to put this little disclaimer, not disclaimer, a little pre-chat, is to let you know that uh, we're genuinely so excited that we have this podcast. Yes. And we're so grateful to Will for taking time out of his crazy schedule to record it for us. Uh, and the way to get it done was that we recorded it ahead of time. Yes. Um, because we wanted this 100 to be special. And what could be more special than one of the biggest comedians in the country? Yeah. Uh, being our guest. Uh, so, just the disclaimer is there will be plugs for shows that don't exist. True. There is a, a very much a complete ignorance of the coronavirus at this point. Yes, I, think, we, I don't think we talk about it even once. Yeah, I, I don't think we touched on it yeah. at all. I mean, again, yeah. And by then, because of course, uh, by the time this comes out, uh, we're recording this. Well, we're recording the pre-record two weeks before the episode yeah, comes so out. So even after this, this pre-record, we don't know what the world's We changed, don't even know. We might be in lockdown. Yeah. Um, so even this level of enthusiasm may be inappropriate. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we might do a pre-record before For the, the pre-record. pre-record. <laughs> so if you hear this and there's a one before it, yes. then you know exactly why we had to do the one before it. Okay, cool. But please do enjoy this really, really fun episode with Will. A wonderful little celebration for you and me, Ben, to yes. get to 100 episodes. Uh, and, and hopefully 100 it's fir- more. It's the first time the podcast uh, is heavier than we are. No, I'm 104 at the moment. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I'm, I actually jumped. I was 92 the other day. Uh, man, I'm 12 kilos heavier than you. That's crazy. Let's do another bet. Uh, yeah, let's do one. Who yeah. can get Corona first? <laughs> Again, in I two weeks, that riffs. might not be I a really, joke anymore. I really love your riffs. Um, <laughs> All right. Thank you, folks. You've been uh, wonderful. Stay safe. Enjoy the app. She's mighty, mighty. Just written it all. Hang out. She's a Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas and we have clocked the big 100. <laughs> and I couldn't do it without one man and one man only. Uh, welcome, Dilruk Jaisinger. Thank you, Benjamin. Congratulations on 100 episodes. I know. Okay, who would have thought? I would never have thought. I would never thought. Uh, no. I, to be honest, at the 100th point, I thought we would have finally started approaching our 100 kilo mark. Yeah. That well, was probably right. Well, I think under the original first couple of episodes, we were like, oh, it'll take us. It'll take us four couple years. Of, yeah, before we lose the weight. <laughs> but here we are, 100 uh, episodes, hun- less than 100 kilos. There's a lot of happiness happening in the, in the studio. Yes. And in terms of a guest, we, I mean, in terms of the vibe of the show and also a genuine support of the show, I think this guest has been referenced <laughs> throughout the podcast yeah. more so than and any when other. We we haven't ref- referenced him. He's pointed it out. <laughs> Please welcome Will Anderson. Yes. Uh, yes, it's nice to be on an episode where you're excited about going over 100. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's what I wanted to wait for. I thought I'll give him 99 to see if this thing's going to last. And then we'll jump into the 100. Thank uh, you so much for coming, man. This is really, this really is quite special for us. But first great question. message to other people out there as well. If you want me to keep listening to your podcast, keep mentioning me. <laughs> Me up. It's funny because my favourite character is me. <laughs> what am I up to? How do I relate to it? 
first first kick it off with this question. Like, you genuinely do listen to this and a lot of other podcasts. And how do you have the time? This is the thing that I, you, you've got grown, you've got radio, you've got stand-up, you got, you know, wh- when do you fit in podcast time? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't know, while I'm doing other things. Like, you know, do you pe- listen people to s- do. I, it probably, there is an aspect of it that relates to your podcast, which yep. is that... I can't do, you know, I have osteoarthritis in my hips. You know, mm. people might not know that. I've kept it a real secret. <laughs> <laughs> Bombshell for the 100th episode. Yes. <laughs> Printthatnews.com.au. <laughs> refer to the 90 minutes of material I've done on the different ones. So. <laughs> the only thing I've talked about more than being arrested, <laughs> my wonky hips. And technically one led to the other anyway. So it's all hip related. But yeah. um yeah, so I have osteoarthritis in my hips, which means that sort of like formal exercise, going for like a, a bike ride or a jog or mm. any of those things has not been, playing sport has not been something that I've been able to do for nearly, you know, well, 13, 13 or 14 years really yeah, probably. Right. And so I had to incorporate other ways to stay active. And one of the biggest things with like the sort of chronic pain that I have and a lot of people who have chronic pain is that keeping moving helps. Okay. Yeah. So the more yeah. you move the more it helps. So a, a lot of my day is designed around, like coming to see you guys today, mm. I then go, oh, that's great. I have to get to this other thing. Like an hour later, there's about an hour in between where you guys are and where that is. I'll, I'll, I'll take my headphones and I'll walk from this to uh-huh. the next thing. And uh-huh. that, that way I keep my body moving between the two things I have to sit down in. And that's perfect time to... Listen to a podcast. Right, right. Yeah. Double, do you double speed? One and a half speed? Or? Oh, dear God, no. Really? No. I do not understand this double speed stuff. Yeah, no thanks. Because otherwise, how do you really enjoy the the pace of the show, the 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 nuance of the show? I like, I don't, I, like, you're just trying to get the podcast. If I want to hear a comedian, a lot of the time, the, the poly, <laughs> they're, they're comedy, right? Mm. So a lot of it's about timing, that yeah. awkward pause, that moment where no one has anything to say, where someone's breath is taken away. If I want to see a comedian talking at double their speed, three o'clock in the morning at the hi-fi bar. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is the one and only place where that's appropriate because at that stage you're also communicating at double speed yourself. That is fine. <laughs> yeah. And but, also if you are listening to double speed, yeah. is your laughter, like if you hear something funny, like, ha, 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 moving on to the next bit. Like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. is your reaction at double speed as well? Like, But also I don't want my brain to be, in fact, what I'm doing a lot of these days is sort of slow thinking again. Like I've taken all the apps off my phones, the social media apps, the attention apps, and, you know, that's been a year, year and a half now. And So they're not on the phone, they're just on the laptop or something? On the laptop. So right. if I want to go onto Facebook or if I want to put something yep. on my Twitter page or whatever, I have to sit down in front of the computer oh, and okay. do it. Right. Right. None of them are on my phone. So not right. only do I not get not- notifications, but I literally cannot look them up on okay. my phone. So when you're in the car or whatever, you start not doing those things, which right. is amazing. And it's about retraining my brain. That was the big thing for me was that we get caught in this attention economy where everything is demanding our attention mm. and these big companies, they're fighting each other for their attention. So you've got these billion-dollar companies who are both like got the world's best attention, you know, experts trying to get your attention. With and keep you addicted to do. it, yeah. Right, because that's their business model, right. right? The more you're on it, the more that you will... And it changes the way you think. Mm. And this so- is true. This is, yeah. Because I had this recently where I went camping and there was like the phone just went dead. And I, I, keep, I always say, like, I got one of those smartwatches where I was like, oh, well, I'll, if it's important, I'll, I'll look at my phone. But then I'll get a message, I'll look at the watch, and then I won't touch the phone. And I was like, oh, I'm great. What an amazing parent. I'm present all the time. What a fucking load of shit that was until I went camping and the phone went dead and I'd find myself grabbing it and looking at it when it was, when it was dead. And so it was like, in the end, I chugged in the glove box for three days. Best thing I've ever done. 
and you know, we I'm pro meditation, but the amount of times I hear somebody say something like, you know, I meditate for 20 minutes in the morning, and then they, you see them on their Instagram and their Twitter <laughs> yeah. and their Facebook, and I'm just like, you've just undone. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like eating a cake at the end of a jog. Like you yeah. just like you did one thing to combat this other thing, whereas. So what I, yeah, so originally I went to the grayscale on the phone, you know, where everything's black and white on right. your phone so uh, the yep. colours don't get your attention. And then eventually I realised I just didn't need to have these. There's, no, there's yeah. no big news in the world that can't wait a few hours. That's right. the truth. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's so big that it needs your immediate uh, attention, somebody will tell you. Yeah. But like, you got to get know. that gag out there before anyone else tweets about it. That's the <laughs> other thing. It's like, yeah. I'm not big on Twitter anyway, generally, no. but I do know people who are prolific on Twitter. It's a race to get to that first punchline before anyone else kind of gets to I it. I mean, if you're sitting there doing that as your job, that's what you're doing with your day, then fair enough. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not doing that with my right, day. Right, right, Like, I'm just going about my business and then suddenly I've been sucked into, I've, you know, 15 minutes of somebody's anger on Twitter on the way to, right. you know, an interview or yeah. a gig or whatever. And you take that energy into you're the You're telling interview. me that's not going to affect the way that you... <laughs> yeah. I, I find myself now on the phone staring at either Instagram or Facebook forgetting why I was there. It's like that all day when you walk to the fridge going, what, what was I meant to get out of the fridge? Mm. I find... At happening a lot with my Instagram now. And so what I've done is, you know how in, in Apple phones you got all the apps that you can keep scrolling? I've put all of the social media into one cluster and that cluster is at the very end. And so even if I have to go to it, I have to scroll through a whole bunch of other apps before I can finally get to it. So it's just a slight delay between that. It makes me go, I don't need to see this right now and I'll just close it. You, you do it without thinking, right? That's the thing. That, yeah. first, that first day where you try to use your fingers to expand a real photo, you know, you've done that or like you just read <laughs> <laughs> you a bit of text and no. you go to like yeah. make it I, bigger and you're like, oh, my, I, my body and my brain just did I, that. I, yeah, did, yeah. I did this at a gig once when I was at the back of the gig. I couldn't hear the comic loud enough and I started mm. to p- tap the yeah. earphones <laughs> to try and increase the volume on my earphones, realizing oh that my. it's not, yeah. <laughs> realizing it's real life. It's not through your ears. Well, I haven't, I, I've got like a portable charger next to my bed and that's where I put my yeah. phone in. But now I've got to move that because my daughter will just come up to me and go, hey, daddy, check your phone. I was like, what? And she's like, took another photo. And I was like, oh, Minka, don't touch my phone. And then she goes, look at the photo. And then, but then there's one thing to zoom in. But when you see two tiny little fingers are able to do it just as well as you can, that's when it freaks you out. You're like, oh my God, you can do this already at five. Like, like your life, what zooming in to stuff is a natural reaction. Like I'm trying to teach yeah. her to fucking hold a pencil and she can't do that, but no, she can fucking zoom into a photo. fingers are too loose from zooming. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> but, but it is right. We've got to acknowledge that these things are affecting us every way. And you you guys talk so much about, like, your kind of physical body, but your physical body also involves your brain. And to mm. me, to be honest, my physical body has let me down a lot. So yeah. I, have, I have quite an uncomfortable relationship with my physical body. But with my brain, which is the one thing that earns me a living and, mm. you know, sort of, like, you know, keeps me out of having to get another job and these sort of things, I'm like, well, I should be conscious about the fact that I'm the person making the decision. So I like podcasts. This is why we talked about it. I like them at, you know, at their normal speed so I can get the sense of how people normally converse. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to cram every bit of information in the world into my head. In fact, I find I am much happier now that even when you sit down to, like, say, for example – you know, I'm promoting a show, so I'm going to go and respond to a whole bunch of people who've said something nice about the show last night as a way to, you know, plug the next night's show, you know, yeah. right? Mm. If I sit down and do that at my computer, like when I know I'm doing that, I'm going to take 30 minutes, I'll have a cup of coffee, I'll, you know, yep. plug the show and retweet those things. You also have a very different attitude to accepting that feedback than you do if you just take it in during the day. Yeah. Good, bad or indifferent, right? 
Because like, if you get a bad tweet or a bad Facebook message or whatever and you just look at Never it in that it. moment, right? <laughs> yeah, imagine if yeah. you could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can direct you to some if you like. <laughs> some that you said yourself. <laughs> got, got, got Stop it. stealing my will deal puns. <laughs> got, got anything on YouTube? Because I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, there's so many. Oh, God. Oh, God. What oh. sort of insult would you like? That's a great thing. You can... it, it goes from racism to fat shaming to all kinds of insults that I have. Yeah, yeah. and that was my half an hour behind the laptop. <laughs> but, but you, yeah, you can be in that mode of going, right now I'm accepting feedback. Mm. So good, bad or indifferent, mm. I am just taking it for what it is. I am right. going through this mechanical process of accepting feedback. So and what I remove find yourself is, from it just to read it as is and which not is judge the it. Right. Only way I think that it is right. healthy to accept, to receive that sort of feedback. Yeah, I reckon it's smart. Give, just talk about that a bit because in terms of taking criticism and and things like that, that's something that I'm especially from the public. I'm very bad at. I, I, I've I've stopped. Com- I, I delete comments straight away. I block people straight away. I don't even feed into it anymore. But over the years, it, you must have seen the change from when the internet and stuff came in. Like you were already in the public uh, forefront. And then now you're at a stage where some of the stuff you do becomes front page news. In terms yeah. Of I mean, let's see. And, and isn't it just about having to change the way you deal with that? Because you can't change. Yeah. And it's one of those things you see like occasionally a, a person who like, you know, it, it, it's one of my like the people at Gruen know this like makes me laugh so much. But and it's like a guilty pleasure of mine because I understand the frustration behind them. But it's one of those things where I just love it when someone performatively quits Twitter. You know, when somebody, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. makes that big announcement about the fact that they're leaving Twitter and why they're leaving Twitter and they do their Jerry Maguire-style manifesto for yeah. how a conversation should happen and blah, blah, blah. And it just makes me laugh because I'm just like, no, that's Twitter. Like, yeah. stop. Like, either – and if you want to leave, just fucking leave. Right. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying if it's good – but you can also manage the way you're on this thing. I'm on the same website as you, but I just don't look at or get caught up in the things that you're looking at and getting caught up in. You but, can manage your own life. But but I love it when someone does that. And it's the same in, in our stand-up world when someone goes, you know what, I'm, I'm taking a break. And then I just hate to break it to the person who's like, no one gives a fuck. No one cares. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one cares. Yeah, you, like, you hear that, Hannah Gatsby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> we don't care. Like, 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 like we had no quirk here. It's, it's like, like I took it, a break. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sorry, no man. One shit. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. And the same, you're like, I'm going to stop social media. Yeah. Like if I did it, people were like, well, you were never on it in the first place. <laughs> so, well, people so we- are really surprised about me because I've done stand-up consistently for, you know, nearly quarter of a century and, um, you know, done a new show every year and, and worked pretty consistently. And last year I took six months off doing stand-up, but no one knew because I didn't announce that I was taking six months yeah. off. I just stopped doing gigs for six months. Right. <laughs> and guess what? I came back and no one noticed I'd been gone. <laughs> <laughs> few people going, did you come to Perth? Yeah, I yeah. did not. No, I did not. <laughs> that was Adam Hill. <laughs> did not. <laughs> so, so no, like no corporates, nothing? Or just nothing. Like, really? Yeah, wow. I, I think I did one gig in six months because I already had one booked in that right. I thought I would honour. But I just decided. Do you well, even I was, do corporates? Well, now that I'm not doing breakfast radio anymore, available again. <laughs> One of those gigs that I was too good for. (laughs) I am so sorry to everyone who's sliding one rung down the corporate list again. Now available. Sorry, Dave Thornton. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. 
because it's true. <laughs> what was what was the the thinking behind that six months taking time off? What did you feel like you needed that time off for? Uh, we spoke when you came on philosophy about mm. the fact that I was in a period of my life where I had a lot of stuff going on off stage, but it was affecting my relationship that I had with stand-up comedy as well and like some of it was physical some of it was you know that i had been my body is in pretty bad shape and i had been doing nothing to mm. you know i had just been pushing it you know i'd been pushing it in an unreasonable way like you know for a lot of years so there was a reckoning coming in coming with my body and i had to you know sort that out and then that meant I, I did the radio that was basically you know part of the real reason i was like i need to be in the one place i need to be able to put in a program, I need to be able to like, you know, do something regularly Add about some structure. this. I need to be not flying all the time, yeah. sleeping right. in different beds all the time. Right. Like, there's a lot of about stand up that are things that um, exacerbate the pain that I yeah. have. There's no being, routine and stability no. in the yep. job itself. And so if you're already yeah. dealing with pain and stuff, yeah. then it's so constantly. Being jammed on a plane, sleeping in an unusual bed, um, you know, and just that kind of like, you know, we do a lot of these things. You, you, when you're doing stand-up, you, you know, spend an hour in a stool in a studio. And if I just do enough of that sort of stuff, Ubers and blah, 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 during the day, then my back gets in trouble and my hips right. get in trouble. So... Really, I was just trying to stabilize, but also I was just incredibly busy. So I was like, you know what? I I, I um, wasn't enjoying doing stand-up. I said yeah. that to you. I said I was doing these shows and I would come off stage and I'd feel really empty. And that's not really how I've a- ever felt about doing stand-up. And I was confused by it and I couldn't work out why it was. And I thought after a while, I was like, well, maybe the... Maybe the best way for me to work out why this is uh, this is not making me happy at the moment is to stop doing it. Maybe I can't see why it's not making me happy because I'm in the middle of it and what I need is some distance to be able to kind of step back and have a look at, you know, what it's all about for me. Did two questions, did it A, make you end up missing it? So therefore realizing why you want to keep doing it, but also how was the first few days when you realized, fuck, I haven't had a gig like, because I'm like a junkie when it comes to stand up. Like if I don't get that adrenaline and, rush. And pasta. And pasta <laughs> and carbs in general. But like, so what was that like the first month or so when you didn't get that rush? Uh, absolutely. Well, this is probably indicative of why I needed to take the break in that I did not miss it at all. <laughs> right. yeah. I wasn't getting that rush from it. And right. I probably hadn't been getting that rush from it for, if I'm being honest, like probably six months previous yeah, while wow. I was still doing gigs. Mm. So like, you know, I kind of already detoxed. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. I was on yeah. like a methadone program or yeah. something. You yeah. know? I yeah. was like, you know, so I was like, no, I, w- I didn't miss it at all. Right. And then it got to, it was great. And then I was worried for a bit because, like, you know, if you're not yeah. missing it at all, you're like, oh, hang well, on, is this, is it? this it? Because, yeah. you know, I've always said this is all I wanted to do. And then I just realised, no, it was the opposite. I just didn't want to. I felt like what I th- think I felt like was when I was doing it, I always knew that I had to be doing, like, you know, like you're doing the gig, but you're already thinking, I've got to get up at like 4.30 in the morning. I've got to get to this job. And then when you're doing that, you're thinking about the next thing because you're so busy. And what busyness, and, you know, we live in this cult of busyness right now. Like, oh. you know, everybody, like, you're so proud to be busy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the one I think that I'm really, like if I'm talking about like addictions is like, you know, I say no a lot and so I don't feel like I, but I just then look at what I am still doing and I'm just like, I'm so busy and the busyness is actually taking away the joy from doing any of these things because you can't be in the moment, right? You want to be in the moment. You want to be as present as you, because I have the issue now is my kids aren't sleeping. I've got a lot of work on, which I'm grateful for. I I am grateful for that. But then I just had that moment where like, I'm waking up at 5.30 to get stuff done. 
Like, I, I should be sleeping. I should be sleeping. And then at that moment, I was like, I need to stop something. Like, I need to stop something. Mm. Otherwise, I'm not going to come up. And then I found myself not enjoying it. So it's that thing where I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to go do interstate gigs for, for so many months. And that just freed up so much time because you forget, like, organising it, transport, like, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I reached to a point where I – you like this because I've got, I've got bad hips as well and I want to touch on that as well. But I started taking That's my own pill. Like, material, mate. So yeah. that's <laughs> Step off, man. Yeah. Have you had a hip <laughs> Have you had a hip arthroscopy? Yeah. No, no. Oh, hello. Oh, got one up on you there. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see I've still got some material up my sleeve. <laughs> or down the leg of my pants, to be honest. Like, if it's up my sleeve, that is a massive problem. <laughs> Whose hip is that? <laughs> your hip bone seems to be under your arm. That is... Yeah, I have osteoarthritis, but basically it's because of a genetic condition like you have, but just a different one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like 10% of people, I think, you know, I'm not a yeah, doctor. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I repeat things that some doctor said to me mm. and then I kind of remember some of them and I don't remember some of them and I'm like... But I think the gist is about 10% of people have like in their hip socket. So where naturally the ball of your hip would sit and then the socket and then it's like cartilage in yep. between. Mm. It, it just comes in at the end yep. Yep. and just like... so what, born on born, Norms. Yeah, so basically what happens is, and this is where mine got destroyed, is that so if people can imagine like, you know, on the top of your, your sort of your hip uh, socket, it comes in a little bit. Yep. So anytime that I did anything that makes your leg go over 90 degrees, so if you do karate, um, you know, yep. if you kick a football, yeah, like anything that your leg's going up over 90, it suddenly... The bone Pushing hits in. the bone. Yeah. And yep. so it starts over the years to wear away from each other. And then, of course, the more that happens, the more it throws out your hips and the more you get sort of you can build up arthritis in yep. there. That's the basic version of, yep. of what it is. And so for me, it was playing football. And that, well, what really, age really, did you notice the pain first before then you finally just, if you ignored it? And probably then... noticed the pain in my mid-20s, but like what you notice first is like um, all the symptoms. Because it tends to throw out other things around it and all yeah. those sort of things. So, what do you mean by that? Any well, you get muscles, you know, out, or you know, ah, you, you okay. think you have a lower back problem, or and you, when you have right. sex, you're always on the bottom. <laughs> 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 that's a wait. That's a problem. <laughs> Isn't that how it's done? Oh, I'll, oh. Ta- I'll take the bottom again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so but just, yeah. So I, um, you you notice. That this is one of the main problems with it because it's unusual for someone of that age to have what I had. Um, so in, you end up having like lower back stuff or hamstring stuff or yeah. you know things that are all around it, groin problems, and you get all those treated, but no one's ever dealing with the fact that it's what it actually is. And so it took until I was about 32. So I reckon I had five years of still doing a heap of things that were doing damage to it. That's my major thing that I regret is like, a lot. I was running long distances and stuff at the time, and just in retrospect, I would not have done as much sort of yeah. hard running and stuff because I had I've destroyed it a lot more than I could have if it was diagnosed correctly at twenty five. Yeah. Well, how much were you running at the time? Oh, I mean, you know, half marathon distances, but yeah. also like I would and so run. That's just going bang, bang, yeah. bang, and, bang. And when I was on tour, that was like the main thing that I would do, right? Uh-huh. You know, I would like, you know, you go to a place for a night, like you can always run. You just take your sneakers and you're like, if you have two hours before a show, particularly that long touring is like I was doing in my 20s and early 30s where, you know, you're touring Australia, you know, town to town. So sometimes when you're in Western Australia, you know, you do a gig one night, <laughs> you know, get loaded up on beers, like, you know, as you do on the road, you know, back in those days. And then you sit in a car for, you know, six or seven hours to get to the next town. And so when you get to town, you've just got to do something to 
just you know, fresh shake up, it, yeah. you go for a run for like an hour, an hour and a half. You have a wow. shower, you go and do the show. And that was like my life. But you're not going on nice running tracks and you're like, often you're just like running out the front of the hotel and running, you know, five kilometres one way and then five kilometres back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was that like? Of, because I think you mentioned it in one of your shows about that feeling when you finally had to realise that, that running is going to not be an option in future yeah. and having to think about if like potentially playing with kids and all those types of things. Was that a difficult thing to hear that, that potentially you won't be able to move? Um, um, like because you played footy as a kid, yeah. you played cricket. There was so much sport in your life. Yeah, I love playing footy. Uh, there was no doubt about that. Like that was a great joy in my life. It was fun. You know, I remember just having fun playing yeah. football. And... Um, you know, it was, I was good at it for a while and then got, you know, kind of increasingly not good at it as other people got better. What's the story about that? <laughs> it's pretty common. Where you're like, yeah. yeah, I've got a lot of height on this. And then you say, oh, but they've got yeah. skill. Yeah. I, was, were... I was really tall in year seven. Yeah. So I like dominated, like, you yeah. know, I dominated up until about under 16s. So one like a, you know, under 18s best and fairest when I was like 14 or like came second or something. Anyway, yeah. but like some big, you know, like looked like I was going to be like a superstar playing for like Vic Country and underage mm. football. But isn't it funny that you, 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 like, when I think about those things, same thing. I was like, I made yeah. the first basketball team and I was only in year nine. And you hold on to that because I had that with my son. And I was like, I'm looking at his jeans, I'm looking at my jeans going, well, you're never going to become a professional sportsman. But what I can give you is those moments in high school and primary school that you can hold on to for the rest of your life. Because I know I do. Why did you write him off already? He might be a professional player. No, I just think, <laughs> well, no, I don't think he, I think he could be, but it's also both my parents are physiotherapists. So they are trying to push him away from footy like there's no tomorrow. They just, all they do is treat knees of uh, 15 year olds going, I don't want, I don't want my grandson. Like you should see them the whole time. Like when they're by themselves, you know, you know, it's a really good sport, badminton. <laughs> I was like, fuck it, let him play footy. Like let him play footy because it's a lot safer. But for him, it's just like, you know, hey, play all the sport you want and enjoy it, but just know, don't do what dad did in his 20s where he just got drunk and rolled his ankle every night. I, there are some of those memories that I absolutely love, like particularly junior sport. I wouldn't, if I had my time over, <sighs> even though like that's where the injury started, I would still do all that stuff, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't do the dumb stuff I did in my 20s and 30s, you know, running on concrete, but yeah. I would do the, you know, play the junior sport and do all that still because it was some of the greatest times of my life. But the irresponsible adults who <laughs> thought that a person with a body this, like, this is not a body that's been through professional sport. This yeah. is a body that essentially just stands on a stage and talks for an hour a night <laughs> and it's rooted like, imagine yeah. what my body would be like if I actually had made it to... Because there was a chance I was going to get drafted at one stage. Wow. They would have taken me to... A, I would have been coaching country footy with two broken knees and two broken hips <laughs> at, like, age 27 and selling cars. Selling cars at the local dealership. Some ripper puns on like the cars, though. 14 games for the Bulldogs before yeah. I broke in half in the game. There was some fair... There was some... <laughs> you know? Like, it was... They should have given me a body scan and gone, you're yeah. already rooted and you're yeah. 17. Like, oh, my God. There's no way you can be a professional sports person. There were some There were some players who went... Or people you played with or mm. around your circles that went yeah. out to play big time. Well, they? my cousin Stuart played, like, a whole bunch... He played in North Melbourne Premiership. And we were the two kids from our area who played in all the rec games and stuff together. Did, did so you... it was an achievable dream. And there was... Bunch of other guys who I played, yeah, junior rep footy with, who all went on to have AFL. Did you careers. dominate James Hurd or something? At one well, point? yeah, kind of. <laughs> this is um, I played a game in Canberra one day when I was at Union Canberra, and I went up with quite cocky expectations, you know. And in retrospect, you know, like 
It's ridiculous. But, you know, you're a Victorian kid going up to Canada. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, here we go. I think you play footy up here, do you? <laughs> so I go out to this club, uh, Bell Conan, where David Cloak either coached that year or ended up coaching. I can't remember. but um, And uh, I played an under-19s game, and they said that if you're best on ground in this game, you'll get a game in the seniors this afternoon. And um, it was 500 bucks to play, you know, a game in the oh, seniors up there. So yeah. I was like, this would be a pretty good part-time job while I'm at uni it's if like, I yeah. can play, like, senior It's the equivalent footy. of a corporate back then. So I played pretty well and I, I was pretty confident that I was going to get picked. And they picked this other guy. And, um, yeah, I was like, there's no way that guy's a better footballer than me. And it was James Hurd. So, uh, <laughs> so when he won the Brown, though, there was a lot of people ringing me in my friendship group just saying, no way he's a better footballer than you are, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's a long-term joke, you know, to yeah. call back to. But the irony is, of course, and I told this joke in front of Gil McLaughlin, the head of the AFL, if you thought that one of our careers was going to be destroyed by drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny because, like, I, I remember working with a guy who played country footy and he got to that level where it's yeah. like, look, if I go hard, might be able to make it to v- VFL. But then he, he goes, I'm getting paid enough cash every game that I can work full time, run a family. But I remember one day he kind of had the same thing. He's like, he stays in shape. He's really fit. And he goes, um, and Favola just retired. And he was, I think, playing for like the Blance or whatever team it was. And he's like, I've got to play on him. And he's like, I've got him covered. And I was like, I'll get a bit of cash. I'll take the wife out. It's going to be, it's going to be the best day of my life. And he came back. I was like, Niall, how was your game? He's like, ah, just, just kick the six goals. <laughs> <laughs> So with yeah, so exactly going back to that thing about then knowing that this thing that you love so much, playing and running around and stuff like that, is going to be now limited at a younger age than maybe you anticipated. How was that feeling for you? I think in retrospect, I am very good at like I've been back at therapy a little bit recently, although I, I haven't been for a little while because um, she told me some shit I didn't want to hear. And so I was like, <laughs> You go to a second opinion because the doctor you didn't like their diagnosis. No, 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 the worst thing is, no, the worst bit is she's right. That's why I'm staying away. Oh. I'm like, oh fuck! I thought I had her fooled. Uh, so, so, so good. Damn. So That's good. So funny. <laughs> I've, I've had it once with, with mine. I was like, I, I like I'm making work for the money because I was like, this is expensive, yeah. and now I don't go once a week. Go every six weeks, have a top up. Yeah. But I still go with him, and he says, he goes, of all the patients, you're the only one who does this. We'll ask a question, and I'll go textbook. Try and ask it like you care, right? And I, I really like, I really go. I was like, if I even smell that yeah. he's not listening or he's not 100 percent there, I was like, nah, let's move on. You got it. I'm paying. I want quality questions. I want oh, yeah. quality questions to open this up. But I love the idea that you're like. That really hurts. That's yeah. painful. I'll see you in three months. Yeah. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. And the fact, that I, the fact that I recognise that and can say that honestly out loud yeah. feels like we're making some progress. <laughs> yeah, one year ago, Will would have denied it and just gone, no. Would have made up a lot of excuses about why I haven't gone back. But I know the exact reason I have not gone back. Uncomfortable truths that I'm not ready to change. Oh, right, right. Brilliant. Wow. So, um, but yeah, now one of the things that I have been uh, very good at, and it's been a bit of a survival mechanism, but is also it can come back to haunt you. And this is some of the, try, the work I'm trying to do, unpick this, is... Um, 
that I am very good at just like, you know, relentlessly going forward. You know, I just go, oh, well, my hips hurt, but I'll just keep doing yeah. every single thing that I would have been doing if anyway, my hips didn't yeah. hurt. I'll just do it with sore hips. And, you know, I'm a bit like that with everything. So often, you know, I don't, even with like the show I did about being arrested, you know, I'm very excited and interested to do it again because when I did it the first time, I was pretty close to that show still. Like I was living it every night. And what uh-huh. I hadn't really done because I'd kind of turned it into a show immediately was taken time to actually process what had happened to me and then Mm. that kind of hit me a little bit later and then like surprisingly because you think i'm doing okay with this yeah and then then the reality of something and so i've been a bit like that with my hips it took it took a really big you know me not being able to you know sleep for nearly three months because my you know back and my hips were so bad to really make me go uh, okay, you can't just you, you can't just relentlessly go on as things are. You yep. need to reassess what your life is and what your priorities are and how you're going to look after yourself a bit better. Is it an element of what we do where we have that forum to take something that is kind of painful and something that maybe should be dealt with in its darkness, but we quickly go, well, yeah, but it's dark, sure, but I can make it funny, and therefore you sort of sweep it under the rug a bit because you're now on stage making jokes about it. When yeah, and but also I reckon you just you do you do this thing of like. Well, I do this thing, I should probably yeah. say, where I just disqualify things from being appropriate. As in, like, for example, there's a big link a link between your mental health and your physical health, right? Sure. Like chronic pain sufferers, you know, traditionally end up having, you know, problems with their mental health as well. Because yep. literally because you are experiencing physical pain every day. Right. And there is a link to, you know, your mental health in yeah, that. Yeah, it's but hard because, to be grateful while you're going through pain. Right. You're gonna, I'm really grateful for this and, pain. But in a general sense, because I block out that, like I just go, mustn't grumble, you know, get on with your life, you know, turn it into a joke and then just do everything else. What was really happening was that when it did then affect my mental health, I was not taking that into consideration as one of the factors. I was looking at everything else in my life, you know, and going, oh, well, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, without taking into account one of the big things that it was. Because normally I'm like, normally it doesn't affect my mental health. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so you don't even, you know, you're not even acknowledging that that is part of your journey where you're like, well, hang on, you can't fix this without looking at one of the major contributors to why you're feeling so shit. And that's interesting because also like uh, for I have a family member who struggles with chronic pain is like, well, you know that the pain, you have to manage it, but there's also the anxiety of once you've got it, you can start getting other pain. So it's being able to like get yourself like, you know, like, like it's, it's, it's quite full on when you, when you, when you see someone suffer with it, like, cause you know, in the hope your, your hips may get better in the future. Is that a possibility? But I assume if that's the case, you would need full hip replacements. Yeah. So which I will have to do on both of them. That is the, yeah. What we go forward on. Yes. Yeah. That'll be the yeah. 2023 show yeah. and the 2024 show. Yeah, exactly. We'll space them out. We won't do two hips back to back. But, <laughs> <laughs> but is it, is that, is it, shouldn't you do two at the same time? Isn't that the, Get them both out of the way? No, because it's a, you've got to learn how to re, re-walk a oh, little re- bit. Not, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah. like a lot, but that's harder to do if you've got both your hips done at the same time. Oh, like so one will have one to compensate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, okay, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Although, you know what I will say about this is because, of course, this is a common operation. So every Uber driver, in fact, literally on the way here today, the dude was like talking to me. We talked about the Bulldogs in the footy yeah. and we talked about uh, my hips and he was saying that he's just recently had a, a hip operation and he was running me through his hip operation. And, you know, yeah. and so you get a lot of unsolicited advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, get, like, it, get it, mate. This is yeah. what I hear from every person yeah. in the public. Get it, mate. 
You will never feel better in your life. Bloody get it. It's like a miracle. I couldn't walk, mate. Now I can moonwalk. Overnight. Got me hips replaced. Moonwalked up Mount Everest. Get it, mate. Get it. No risk. And yet every doctor I talk to is like, don't get it. Don't do everything you possibly can to avoid surgery. Every person on the street, bloody get it. I'll do it now, mate. Lay down in the back. Get it. George and Carol will probably tell you. Yeah, Yeah, just get it. it." But but I love it because then I'll get answers advice. Like like I remember once when I was just getting all the tests done and I was in a waiting room uh, and the average age is 75. They're like, you're a bit young to be here. But he goes, you know what? Get those hips because it's better than back in the day. I was like, what do you mean back in the day? And he goes, oh, you know, it was made out of wood. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> like hip replacements, it was, maybe it was, you know, titanium, but yeah. now it's like, you they, know. It's... They were full on back in the day though, even yeah. just 10 years ago, really. Like, because there used to be a lot of very invasive surgery. They'd have to cut like, yeah. you know, like well, hamstrings or whatever. Like there was cutting and these days a lot of it's like, you know, keyhole micro surgery and like much, you know, you're up and about in a few days and those sort of things. So. So how do you manage the pain now? Um, legally or? <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's funny, but, but in, now in this state, it, it, yeah. it is legal. So yeah. you can get the drops. Um, yeah. And uh, and mm. like I have a family member who who's one of the, it was the first a handful of people to be able to legally get it. Yeah. Uh, but is that something you, you do? Yeah, they say, or they say, I've been contacted by a few people in the medicinal, you know, uh, yeah. world who are just like, it's great now, you know, we, yeah, we can do this now. You totally qualify for this. Because I was on the medicinal program when I was living in the US. And they say, um, you know, like this is great. And, you know, um, th- we've taken the THC out of all these oils. And I'm like, well, <laughs> again, <laughs> you've just Think lost was, me. Yeah, yeah. Why? yeah, know your audience. Why? Know your audience. Why would you possibly think that was a selling point to yeah. me? Here's a nice bit of cake, but we've taken all the yeah. butter and sugar out of it. <laughs> It's just dough. The thing that mostly distracts me from my hip pain is the THC. I don't actually know if there are any medical benefits to the other shit. Take your expensive snake oil. I need the stuff with the THC. <laughs> so is, is that is that the primary uh, uh, pain relief? <laughs> Ben's still gone. Ben's still gone. It's it's snake oil and fuck off. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, saying you oh. shame and voodoo. It's like oh. saying to somebody like you know eat these like you know reishi mushrooms and they're like you know they got all the qualities of magic mushrooms except for you know yeah, yeah. except for tripping and you're yeah. like well yeah but again that again that's the yeah. number one quality I was looking for in those mushrooms. Oh, so mushrooms. Um, I was on pretty serious um, g- coming out of the back pain because I'd always been a never a big um, uh, over-the-counter prescription yep. medication because when you have chronic pain, like people will prescribe for me. I don't know if you've seen The Pharmacist, that documentary about uh, the opioid. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. And in America, if you wanted to get opioids – Man, like just walk into any doctor with chronic pain and they would write you a book of opioids, like strong, strong, right. strong stuff. And they're so addictive. So addictive. And they feel good. Like, I mean, I can see why people, yeah. you know, particularly if you're in pain, but even if you're not in pain, like, yeah. you know, like I always say that pain medication is, you know, people say to you all the time, if you've got like, yeah, they go, oh, it must be good that you can get good drugs. Yeah. I was mm. like, mate, I'm in comedy. I can get good drugs. <laughs> I don't need hip pain. There's about four I can, bookers I can yeah, think of. I can get opioids from a pool cleaner and I don't need hip pain. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, that, or you, you know. come across that friend that you didn't know was sort of dabbled yeah. in that. Yeah. And I was like, come, come across a friend, he's like, 
yeah, tramadol's pretty good. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, he goes, no, nah, I know a dentist. And I was like, just that sentence alone, yeah. I, know I know a, a dentist. dentist. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, but then when I really got in trouble, like when I was like in incredible pain and I had to get a plan together to, you know, rebuild my life, um, then uh, I went on a program of meds, like a proper program of meds, like a, a good slow-release um, uh, anti-inflammatory because, like, you know, when you take the two-hour ones and stuff, they were never any good for me, but I couldn't sleep. That was my major problem. Mm. I couldn't sleep through the night because i get to sleep because the other Ugh. drugs will knock you out, but then the pain would be so much, you uh. know, from my body being in the one place that um, it would just wake me up. There was a time in America where it was so bad that I could sleep for about 15 minutes at a time then I would have to get up and walk my apartment from one end to the other just to stretch out so the pain would stop for an hour to, oh. to get another 15 minutes sleep. And that oh was just God. all I was doing to be able to survive. And that's and you're mad. And that was, mad. On, that was on the hardcore painkillers. Like, and, then, and then having to do work that day. Yeah. Like that, that's the other thing. It's not yeah. like you then just... No, it was not good. And so... So I ended up going. So my doctor is amazing. Like he is um, uh, an ex. Uh, he's an ex footy doctor, uh, Doctor Peter Larkins. His name is. He's oh, like, yeah, well, like yeah. He was a doctor on Triple M, wasn't yeah, he? Ran, ran for Australia at the Olympics. He's a and his specialty is like sports people, sort mm. of you know, yep. hips and knees and stuff. And he's fantastic, and he's been really great. And we got on a really manageable, consistent program. And our big idea was, as we went into it, and this was nearly two years ago now, was. We'll get you in as good a place as you possibly can be so that you know when you say, I need to get surgery on my hips, you've tried everything else, basically. was mm. the that is, so, that is amazing. Yeah. Like, because my family member who's gone through the pain clinics and gone through everything, it's just like that one consistent approach where you generally understand where that patient yeah. is at, how to deal with it, how to manage it, but also that they make the decision. And I think that's what so many people struggle with with chronic pain is quite often the decision is out of your hands because everyone's making – that is amazing. All the drivers are telling people to get Well, (laughs) well, so what he said to me, he said, there are people getting operations on their hips right now who have worse x-rays and have better x-rays than you have. Like, you know, you literally – on your x-rays, we could call someone today and, and get you in and, you know, go and do it sort of thing. But there's all these other things that you could do. And what we really started out with was just shorting, treating the pain in the short term. And my plan was, because I'd lost so much fit, any type of fitness, even just mm. walking fitness because I couldn't do much. He said, let's try to get you on a like essentially a prehab program. That was the plan of it yep. when we went into it, which was just get you as fit as possible so that when you have the operation – you, uh, you have the best chances right. for it to go well. For like but, the physio afterwards and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, you're yeah, in the, yeah, right. well, just the actual operation itself. Yeah. Oh, recovery is better yeah. if you're fitter and all those sort of things. Okay. But but then secondly, yes, the recovery from it, if you've already got all the other you know muscles and whatever around it working properly, your recovery is going to be better. Yeah. So the more work you do before, the easier the work's going to be afterwards. So that was really the plan we went in with. It wasn't like a, we're going to put off this operation. It was more just a, let's get you as fit as possible and as, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then if it's still sore, you know, like painfully sore, we'll just go, great, we'll book in, we'll go and get the operation. So but that the, was... But, but the, 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 just the concept alone is that, but then you're, you've are you got the sense of power. Yeah. You've got the sense of decision-making in conjunction with your doctor go, you know what, I am ready, but, you know, I'm also ready because my body's ready and I'm mentally ready. That is uh, – there needs to be more yeah. of that. So he um, – there's this uh, amazing um, – so we did a whole bunch of different things. So he yes. put me on these medications and all these sort of things. Um, Gave you some snake oil. <laughs> t- told me when I could get off them, which is also great. Yep. Because, you know, that thing of just going, you know, how to experiment with getting off them as you go along, that's a great thing to know. 
Like okay. if I, you know, because some of them work if you take them like all the time, you know, like they're not just a, particularly the slow release ones, it's better to keep just taking them every day, that sort of stuff. The injections, I was getting steroid injections yep. directly into my hips, which were fantastic you have to do it yourself? for me. No, 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 you, no, go, no you go, go to Olympic Park. Yeah. No, <laughs> right. a, I've, I've sent another yeah. family member there where you just go, how big was mm-hmm. the injection? Oh, yep. we have to go back tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's full on. It, it is quite, I don't like injections either. So I find that process a little intimidating. And sometimes you don't even know how they work. So sometimes no. you go in there because it doesn't kick until sometimes three weeks later yeah. where you just go, and then you get after three weeks later and go, well, why did I go through that? But right. you just don't know until you right. do it. You don't know until you do it. I In my back, I did, had no success. In my hips, they've been very successful. And oh, okay. So, again, there's no guarantee. No, that it, no, oh, wow. no guarantee. Jeez. And the interesting thing is even if it's worked for you before, it doesn't necessarily mean it will work the same <laughs> way next time. And the I guess the third most interesting, which was the thing that I didn't know at the time, was that the actual injection itself like only works for a certain time. What you're trying to do is get – rid of the inflammation, give it a period of time that the inflammation will die down so that your hips can just not be painful by themselves. So I'm currently into, it's probably been six months since I've had an injection on either hip and they feel like I'd had an injection two weeks ago because the program we went on for a while just got my hips back to a point where a lot of the pain that I'd been feeling was clearly just the massive inflammation that never had time to To heal. heal. And so it gave it some time to heal and it set me back to a place where I didn't actually think. So at the moment, apart from you know, uh, you know, off the books medication, mm. I occasionally take <laughs> snake oil. Yeah. Occasionally, if I'm feeling a bit stiff and sore, I'll take a Panadol or two at night. But that's literally all I'm on at the moment. So that's, that's what we've got. Huge. To and six months without. But the biggest key in it, and this is not a plug. I pay to go there. <laughs> but there's this thing called Kiza. And it's like the gym for rehab for older people. They're pitched at everybody, but it's a specific machine program, you know, so it looks like a gym, right. but all they're all attached weights, no free weights, all on. Yep. And it's this, um, you know, a program from, you know, it's one of the you know, Scandinavian countries, yeah. you know, <laughs> one of the ones we trust, yeah. you know. The guy, next is that you, what, yeah. the guy next to you is on like uh, three years maternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All jokes aside, was that what Brad Oaks went to? Is that the one he was talking about? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Anyway, it's so you start with a physio. So, like, you literally start going in with a physio, and the physio puts together your program on these machines. And for the first, you know, six weeks or whatever, I did it with the physio as kind of your personal trainer, essentially. Mm. Mm. And so, for me, and I think a lot of people who have, like, you know, chronic pain injuries is the biggest fear is that in trying to make yourself better, you're going to hurt yourself more. And yep. right? Yeah. In and other areas yeah. as well. And you go to a normal gym and these, these, the personal trainers there don't have any idea how to put together a program None. for someone with osteoarthritis, you know, Understood. Yeah. and going to this place, I'm there with a physio who can just say, literally start at this weight, you know, every two sessions, put it up two kilograms. This is the way we're going to rebuild your body. You yeah, know? Right. So it's just a very slow, efficient, like Amy says it's not a gym because she says there's two things about it that don't make it a gym. <laughs> One is I can do it in my normal clothes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just in a jeans and yeah, RM Williams. <laughs> I will say that my normal clothes are pretty loose fitting anyway. So yeah, yeah, I, right. but and the other one is that I've had a towel that I've only washed once in two years because I don't sweat. Yeah. It's really just for the look of putting it on the machines rather than but it's about building my body up to a strength. I'm not looking to get like, you know, beach fit or whatever. I'm literally working on rebuilding my core and my body yeah. and, you know, broken bits of my body bit by bit on these machines. And so 
it's been literally that, you know, two-year consistent, you know, approach, you know, and it kind of relates, I guess, to, you know, what you guys talk about a lot with, you know, different diets and different methods of, you know, getting your health together. Mine has really been a result of the, look, if you just go as much as you can, like every two or three days for two years and you just go up gradually, right. it, it, it does actually you know, work itself out. Yeah, you and just also, have to be patient with it. Yeah. In its, yeah. yeah, and having that long-term goal of it's about reducing the pain and being have that longevity with your hips or how you feel. Because yeah. I grew up in a physio practice, and the amount of times I heard my dad were either say. Uh, you have to stop drinking olive oil. You need to lose weight. That was the other one. But he goes drinking yeah. olive oil. We lived in North Carlton. There was a lot, <laughs> a lot of Italians who would just eat delicious food, but yeah. then complain why their back was so sore. But it, it's pretty clear because yeah. the front was so heavy. Uh, but the other one is like my dad was like, if, if, if you're exercising that that term, no pain, no gain. Like he hated that because there's so many options where you can do that. You can stretch it out, and it doesn't have to hurt. Because so many people would go back, injure themselves because right. the trainer's like, come on, come on, come on. They and you injure yourself and then you don't go back. No pain gain should be their slogan at Kiza yeah. because that is yeah. that is what keeps me going back. The yeah. fact that, you know, Kiza? Kiza, yeah. It, it's spelled Kaiser, but I think they don't want the association with <laughs> yeah. Kevin, so. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Oh, what a shocking rebranding that conversation would be. It's like with Bikram, he's all of a sudden it's hot yoga. Now, we're going with Hitler's or... No? Okay. Hip, Hitler's. Hitler's. Adolf Hitler. Uh, he came up with a great program. It's mostly about stretching one arm up at a time. Uh, I Real mean, see, 90 degree lifts of the legs. You see how those legs go up. I mean, you've got to, you've got results. I would die to be able to stretch like that. That is. The, um... <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, but okay. they, uh, my favorite thing about this uh, gym, and it is like I, I think it's fantastic. It right. really is. Yeah, no music. You know, it's it's a quiet space. It really is for you. See a lot of people clearly doing rehab. You know, they're working on one specific part of their. You know, they'll just be coming in because they had a broken arm or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. and they're coming in doing just rebuilding that thing. Heaps of old people, like really genuinely, like it's, you know, a good exercise. You can do it sort of like 70 or 80 years old. This, you know, you can get a program and just keep generally fit, which is probably the best thing for, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you guys have spoken about this before, but when I first went to see Pete, you know, I couldn't get out of the chair. Like without, I could not get out of a chair without using my arms, you know? Wow. That's that's the big test, right? You need to kind of all your life be able to get out of a chair without using your arms. That's your base level of fitness right. that you need to have so that you don't end up, you know, falling over and, you know, dying alone and all those sort of, you know, yeah, things, yeah, yeah. things that happen. And I could not do that at age, you know, 43 or 44 or whatever I was, you know. So you're staring down a lot of your life, you know, dealing with those problems. Because so, they say that's the basic test, especially in yeah. nursing homes, and Mike yeah. mostly talks about that, is that just getting up out of your seat is the biggest one. Yeah. If you can keep doing that yeah. to the age of 90, you are fine. Mm. But then if you're already feeling that already at 43, you're like, Something's got to give. Like, you have to change it. Have you made any old friends at the gym? 
Oh, so this is what I was going to say. I love the oldies because they just love a chat, you know. <laughs> Plus, you know, I, I work on the ABC. So <laughs> key demo, really. Your, your, I'm really your fan to fan the community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of great chats with uh, the oldies at the gym. So, yeah, yeah it's I, I really like it. But one day my uh, personal trainer, um, well, no, because, like, oh, you just have your own program. I just do it now. But, like, one of the guys just came to check in and he had, like, a look at my chart and just saw the progress. And he goes, oh, mate, you geez, you're doing really well. And I was like, oh, this feels really good. And so I looked around the gym and the only other two people were there were like a guy who was like 85 and a guy with one leg. Oh. And I was like, well, I'm really, you're really, really beating streets them. ahead of uh, old guy in Adam Hills over yeah. here. <laughs> what, what's your, uh, to finish up, we're coming yeah. to the end, but in terms of when all this was happening with terms of food and stuff yeah. like that, were you worried about um, that you're not exercising as much anymore? Were you worried about like how much beers and food and stuff was going into the system? Yeah, I'm a, well, because I have an, a, I have an uncomfortable relationship with my weight, you know, like I have a bad body image and my body has let me down a lot in my life. So I don't mm. have a particular lot of love or care for my body either. You know, I'm not one of those people. In fact, sometimes I felt like, you know, particularly in my sort of mid twenties to, you know, kind of 40, I was in a pretty destructive relationship with my body in that like it was like I was like you know like fuck you two can play at this game you know if you're, uh, not, gonna, right. if you're not gonna look after me I'm not gonna look yeah, after wow. you in return you know oh like, that's interesting right and um so and I still now like I'm you know I'm a very emotional eater and I have a like my saving grace is I've been a vegetarian for 20 mm. plus years so that's kind of kept me at a you know like some you know, kind my, of, my kind weight restriction, my somewhat. weight fluctuates because mm. I eat terribly and emotionally. But um, it it um, the vegetarianism does kind of just have some sort of cap on you, not particularly like really blowing out. And like, like a lot of the places at late night would mm. be limited to what you can actually order if you're a vegetarian, yeah. as opposed to like a kebab shop or something. Yeah, That's but I'm happy do. to eat like a toasted cheese sandwich every night on tour. Oh, you know, delicious. like when you get back to the hotel room after a gig. Well, and I was going like, to ask, what yeah. what are your comfort foods? What is it generally? Is it sweets or uh, well, chips? It, yeah, I'm not somebody who likes to choose. Like yeah. I, I'm no, no sweets. I absolutely love. At the moment, I'm going through a lamb thing oh. like yeah so like on my walk today and I, I will put these into my walks so like literally I was like come and do the podcast I'll go on this hour walk to this next thing somewhere on the way between like Brunswick <laughs> and, uh, and me in the it's city there is going to be a lamington that I have not tried and so I am going to have like a delicious lamington because I love lamingtons and lamingtons are back a bit and so there's like a range of lamingtons yeah. at the moment so I'm just like Did you I'm s- hoping you know Brunswick I'm going to get myself some sort of right. cheeky you know oh. goji berry key lime pie sort of <laughs> take on a lamington Did you did you uh, see the did you see the served sm- on a lamington <laughs> Smith's chips did the lamington flavoured chips. Disgusting. Did you try it? Yes, of course. You, you, but again, like that was it. just like marketing. It. They knew it was going to taste like shit. It was for um, Australia Day. Cre- uh, chips, absolutely love. Mm. Pring- Pringles, but um, just like plain old-fashioned, like, you know, chips, I absolutely love. But bread, cheese, dairy. Like, my parents are dairy farmers. I was mm. raised eating dairy, so I like, you know, I, I, I still find it very hard. Like, my friend Charlie, who I do my podcast with, he's super fit, you know, and mm. he, um, you know, he very much, you know, uses food as a fuel, you know, prepackages all the meals, does yep. the, this is what we're eating this week, this is the fuel I need to, yep. you know, like blah, blah, blah. I never think about food as being fuel. When I hear one of those stories about people, you know, like, you know, smoothies or Soylent or, you know, all that stuff that we like, all I need is a, like those movies about the future where, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, the food yeah. will just be a pill. I'm yeah. just like, 
no, thank you. That is, yeah. no, I love food and I still reward myself with food constantly. And if I'm working heaps, I'll build in, you know, more unhealthy eating as like food rewards during the it's day. It's reward and comfort both, isn't it? Yeah. But that's the big push now with children is it's all about the energy it gives you. Yeah. It is it is the biggest push. And well, I heard you talking about that and I thought that would sounded really cool. It's like you're going to be able to like build five yeah. sandcastles or you're going to be able to do this with this food. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd been taught that because that is not what I think <laughs> about food at all. But Mine I'm, was if you don't eat it, grandma, you don't love grandma. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then I've got, to, I've got to change my examples because I did it again. I was like, come on, Tay, you finish that bowl of porridge and you can make five sandcastles and then Minka pipes in goes we're nowhere near a beach <laughs> <laughs> geography fails you you've mentioned on various podcasts at times that apparently you, you you reckon you were fat at some point like as an adult oh, I was a bit oh yes when I was at uni I certainly was I would have been over a hundred right I mean, well, I mean not, you're a bit probably pretty tall not, though probably you're not tall, much yeah. over a hundred but you're, like you're six foot three no. Yeah, well, kind of just, not just. Depends really, on how the know. back's going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah, right? Well, that is true. Like, my posture's terrible. But, um, yeah, like, my kind of, like, when I feel like at my sort of, like, nice weight, it's probably about 82. Oh, like wow. So you still like reckon you'd go on 20 kilos plus or something? Yeah, and, wow. like, what I tend to sit at if I'm not paying attention to my weight is something around 85, 86. That's probably yeah. what I would be at the moment, like something right. around that. And I don't really check in regularly. And what I find is if I don't check in regularly and I weigh myself, it tends to normally be about 86. You know, yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. right? If I'm paying attention to my weight, it will you know, be a bit less than that. And if I'm really not paying attention, it could float up towards probably, you know, high 80s. But it wouldn't get as high as 90 anymore. But there's been periods of time. I think when Lima and I were doing the radio, like, you know, it's a big day in the office and you eat all day. And yeah. Breakfast radio, I, I put on a bit of weight last year because, you know, you're just up earlier in the morning eating an extra meal and you get sent all this delicious shit to the... Well, we yeah. talked about croissants, yeah. remember? <laughs> Trying yeah. to find right what's the best croissant in and Melbourne. And then people send you them. Yeah. And we had a barista in our studio, yeah. like in our studio. So I would drink like three or four, you know, you know milk coffees a morning. You know, and that's mm. you're getting out of there at 9.30 and you've already had... Yeah, probably your day's worth of calories. Yeah, right. So it is, it is that thing where it, it was just more like you, you just for you your uncomfortable relationship is more to do with how you treat it as a reward rather than it being like a body image issue thing. Well, no, 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 because it's related to body image. I just have a loathing for my body. You know, right. I don't feel my body is like a friend of mine. Is it a version of dysmorphia? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I think right. my friends would tell you that it is, but. Like, right. But I think it's quite common because I think I had the same thing where, like, you know, already at 18, I did a disc um, being a garbo because uh, all my mates were unions. So it was, you could get, you know, you could get a job quite easily. And already, I think by the early 20s, I'd rolled my ankle so many times. I'd done my back. I was so angry with my body. And the irony of being the son of two physios, I was like, well, I'm just going to hurt it more. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't care. Like, you go, if I hurt myself, well, that's common. When the hip went, well, there you go. There's another one. After all, you stop caring. And as soon as you stop caring, more injuries happen. Like it's just like because you keep you keep hurting your body because you don't like it. Yeah, and I reckon that's quite. I reckon it's more common than people think it is because it is a form of dysmorphia to a degree. But it's also it's just a really bad relationship. Uh, I remember there was a period of time when, like you know, in like sort of my late twenties or whatever, where I was having a good time going out and partying and like you know taking drugs and doing that sort of stuff. But I remember distinctly now, in retrospect, a few times where like. I really felt like, you know, you'd had too much and you really felt like, oh, God, I'm like, I could, you know, I'm dying. You know? yeah. and, oh, wow, right. and I used to really, really love that feeling because I, yeah, I and, wow. you know, 
It was yep. like, that's what I wanted to feel like. Yep. I wanted to feel like I'm about to die and like, fuck you, buddy. You know yep. what I mean? Right. There was a real sense of like, you know, I had no regard for, yeah. you know, it's like it wasn't was a part of it. It was like you were against the body, like the, almost yeah. your mind against your body. Yeah. And also, wow. you forget in your circle, you know, like in your group of friends, which is I all had. It was, I was known the guy. I was known as the guy with the bad back. Every conversation was, "How's the back? How's the back? How's the back?" Which is just a reminder that I've got a shit body, and I it's, used to hate that. I hated that. Well, there's been an incredible amount of studies that show that there is a massive link between how you think about your pain and the pain that you experience. Right? Yeah. Like you know, some people mistake that for if you think you don't have pain, you can cure your pain. I, I'm a bit skeptical about yeah. that but i do think that there is a link between you, you know they say a lot of back pain you know the worst thing is you could get x-rays because like yeah. a lot of the time you can't fix what they're going to show you but yeah. once you've seen that your bad's back on an x-ray your brain computes that your bad back is bad and your back hurts okay. more right. so i do a lot of trying not to think about yeah you know and trying not to constantly talk about you know my hips being bad because i think they're worse when i talk about it more. or, or you flip well, sorry it. about that <laughs> bringing it up oh, no, for something like this it's yeah, absolutely yeah. fine of course right. but like you know but yeah in my day-to-day life right you know i think a lot of chronic pain sufferers probably do that thing also you just don't want to bore people yeah 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 you know, and, and there's this other thing of like you just don't want to be the guy who's constantly going yeah my back hurts my hips or i remember sore. my dad flipping it for me he's like yeah your last disc on your sl5 it's stuff but the good thing about it when it completely disappears and it's just bone on bone oh no pain i was like great i don't have a disc this is brilliant. Like, I remember just like, as a positive. And, and when it did happen, I was like, yeah, actually, I don't feel it anymore because, you know, doing a bit more exercise. And he's, you say that all the time. If you keep moving, yeah. that is the best thing you can, you can do for it. Just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Because as soon as you stop, you will stop. 15 minutes yeah. of sleep and one hour of walking. Just keep doing it. The thing that, <laughs> well, the only thing that I really miss is being able to sit in front of a desk and really develop an idea. Right? Yeah. You, That's so you, the only thing that, like, sometimes still when I'm writing, I, I'm like, I wish I could be like the old days where I could just sit at a desk for, like, because I probably every 20 minutes I'll get up if I'm, like, working and, right. you know, stretch and, you know, kind of whatever and sit back down. Like, in the old days, you know, you could sit, like, staring at an idea or, you know, like an idea for, like, maybe, you know, a couple of hours and, and really crack something. And I do feel like I've had to come up with other ways to to do with to do that now that you know i'm I, i'm not as happy with but just it's do life you, can, are you because you type or write as in physically uh, i do everything everything like, so yeah. there's no lying what down it, you can't do it lying down and anything like that it's really tricky nah. typing lying down well you know what the problem yeah two things one is like i never know <laughs> lying down where like where to put the typewriter <laughs> do you know what I mean typewriter yeah <laughs> What use a typewriter? Keep on, keep like on. the old school. Da, 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 da. Yeah, typewriter. <laughs> Man, I know you started yeah, comedy twenty five years ago, but <laughs> and I like the idea after fleshing out this idea. I got bruises on my ribs. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. How do you know when it's finished if you can't rip out the page and throw it in and throw it like the end of the credits of those TV shows and then say "Sit, Ubu, sit." Good job. Both of my dogs are like, our names are not Ubu. Why are you? It's like, you guys don't get it. You're you too young. Too young. Different You're generation. too young. <laughs> no, but, oh, yeah, so right. So it is that thing of it breaks your concentration. Yeah. Whereas instead of being able to sit down and just yeah. knock it out. Uh, someone said dictaphone. Like, you could just basically. Or you can get the, uh, the the program on your computer that recognizes your voice. Yeah. Hey, there'll a... be a whole bunch of open micers who'd love to intern for you. And they just type out everything as you're just saying it all. I mean, I, I guess, like, I could do it like that but i like to be able to see like move the words around i think uh-huh. that's part of my 
you know, there, there gets to a point where you can improvise stuff, where you can come up with it on stage, where whatever. But then you actually have to go, I yep. need to write this down so I can move it around and see why that's there and whether that should be there and, mm. like, you know, kind of reshape it a little bit. And, and that's the bit that, like, I'm at that stage with this current show that I'm doing and I've got it, like, it's just on a notepad in, in there. And what I'll do is probably today as I walk around and do my things, if I need to stop for a coffee or, like, a sandwich or whatever, I'll take 20 minutes while I'm doing that and do it bit by bit, yeah, you know, yeah. so that I'm moving during the day. But what I'd really love is to just, just sit, sit down, down and, chunk it out. and yeah. get it all done. So where to finish up, where are we now with all the – the pain seems to be good. But the pain's man- really good at the moment. Yeah. Like I'm managing it, like, you know. And so basically what I know is when now when the pain gets too bad, mm. that probably means that I just have to get the, the operation. Surgery. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And so – and with stand-up, you know, you've got the new tour coming, which yeah. means that you're excited about stand-up again? Well, this is the thing. I guess that's, yeah, to finish off. Like I – you know, now I'm doing three shows. <laughs> 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 I think that I mean my big conclusion that I came to was that I wasn't concentrating on it properly, right? The joy was because I felt like I was never able to purely 100% be in the moment as a stand up. You know, that was mm. I think where the joy had gone. So, um I decided to reprioritize my life. So, you know, I thought that a big bold way to make stand up the focus of a year would go I'm going to do three shows. So, I'm doing a return season of Illegal, um which is great because I just like, like I'm I'm really excited to attack that show with a, di- a bit of a different perspective from oh, when I slightly, first did it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the material, the story is the same, but the, I think the way that I view some of it, the attitude probably it, yeah. will be different, which because is interesting. I saw it before uh, you had the policeman yeah. who actually arrested you come to the show, so I'm assuming there's elements uh, of that yeah. that come into it now. Yeah, so there's an ongoing sort of aspect to the story, you know, yeah. and. Um, and then, like, I had this show that I only did in Melbourne last year, you know, Will Informed, that I really wanted to rewrite. And so that's the one that I'm rewriting. I'm in the process of sort of rewriting because I only did it in Melbourne and I wanted to tour it everywhere else. And so that's been exciting. And then I'm doing my improvised show, What You're Which Talking I About, love. Will. So I, I th- what I wanted to do was go, here are all the things that I love about doing stand-up, right? I love doing made-up things on the spot, so I'm going to do a whole show of that. Uh, I love doing right. this old show, this big because it's one story. We're legal. Yeah, here's and you put big, so much work. Here's into this it, big yeah. personal one story thing that I'm going to get to work on, and then well informed is this like kind of like in some ways a little bit old school show of mine where it's literally just <laughs> ten minutes of bushfires, you know, stuff. Mm. It's like five minutes of like you know therapy, you know, and then just sort of like. 10 to 15 of what it's like to be a man, 10 to 15 of my fears of technology, and then 20 of climate change stuff. It's yeah. like a really traditional sort of well, stand-up show set, yeah. like, like you, I would do, you yeah. know? How and, do you do the – because I saw the show, The 20 Minutes of Climate Change. Well, how do you do it this year? Because we've solved it. So it feels a little <laughs> – I know. It turns <laughs> out that all that material was still very relevant. <laughs> turns out that it became even more relevant. <laughs> turns out we're not further away from the world or robots yeah. destroying us. Yeah. So <laughs> – New ca- new new yeah. characters have popped yeah. up in the season. Greta Thunberg might have, yeah. 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 <laughs> might have literally been a little too soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we almost lost the wiggle between when I did that. <laughs> so. uh, well, mate, thank you, thank you so much. First yeah. of all, for being a guest, making uh, taking the time to come here, but also thank you for the support, man. Honestly, yeah. we, we've said it before. It's been great. It. Uh, but also, yeah, just retweeting, sharing stuff about the pod. It really, really means a lot. So but especially you. when people know you listen. Like that's how a lot of my mates have gone. I'm like, if Will's listening to it, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not a good enough. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that alone, and because you're already like a massive supporter of both Dylan and I, but then to be a supporter of the podcast, I, it's just been it, it's made us want to do it as well. Like, it just, well, I mean, it's been a great 
podcast because uh, what I have loved about it like the most is, and you know, you guys have seen this as well, has been it's been an incredibly unexpected sort of evolution, right? Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, what it is now isn't yeah. what it was yeah. in yeah. the first place. And, you know, and, and maybe what it is now won't be what it is in six months yeah. right? right. or two years. And, and you know, I was I was talking to you one night after somebody got p- particularly mad about, you know, one particular episode as can happen when yep. you're talking about new things and mm. and different, you know. It was the, the veganism one, I think. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was teasing Charlie yesterday because Charlie went full Game Changers. Yeah. <laughs> Is he like, still He's going? like, I'm a vegan now, I'm a blah, blah. And I'm like, how's that going? He goes, 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I like hearing you guys... Like the nice thing about it is it's fun and funny, but you get to hear you guys talk through it and struggle through it and see your different ways of yeah. dealing with it and not dealing with it. And, yeah, it, you know, it feels real to me. And, you know, it's been an opportunity, I think. One of the things that's really kept me away from ever having, like I'm so sceptical of diets and diet plans and all this sort of thing is because I don't think there is any one real solution for people you Mm. know the real solution for people is that generally firstly you've got to decide what your priorities are Mm. right because there's no right or wrong body shape there's right or wrong body shapes for different people for who they are and where they are in their life but you know like you're not on here saying this is the perfect shape or this is the perfect lifestyle when it comes to diet and exercise you know some things work better for like that idea of going to the gym and lifting something really heavy and then coming home and hurting for two days stopped me from exercising. Yeah. Like right. it stopped me going to the gym. And yet this program where I don't sweat and I, you know, get teased and whatever, but like it's it's brilliant. <laughs> it's made me feel amazing. Like there's not one right thing for everybody. And like there's clearly some people that, you know, being vegetarian or vegan or whatever it doesn't work for or some people that intermittent fasting doesn't work for or, mm-hmm. you know, all these sort of things. But your podcast has been about exploring that there are all those sort yeah, of things. Yeah, I think having the guests to come in and share this, their story has been really helpful for a lot more listeners than just hearing me and Ben go right. through yeah. that because it's about, oh, yeah, here's someone who took a different approach and it works for them. Maybe I'll give that a crack. Like I had someone come up to in Perth say that that because of the pod, they're now sober for like five months. And that's something we never would never have anticipated predicted. inspiring people to clean their life. Like he, literally his wife was saying thank you because now he's a better husband. Like what? Yeah. It's crazy. Stuff. And then also it's like, you know, and I think because we're both learning, I think that's especially as a parent, which I've been very surprised with the feedback from dads. It's like, yeah, I don't know all the answers. And we are in a world that, you know, with everything going on and climate change is, you're seriously taking week by week, but then also you got to do that as a parent. And so it's just like, and you know, it's fun because then Dill will ask the questions that a lot of people w- would ask because they're not parents. Mm. So it's just like, like I why never, did you have a kid? Yeah, yeah. But also like, I never thought that would be part of the podcast. Like I yeah. never thought that that would then develop into, into something like that. So, you know, so, and, yeah. and sometimes if we have a hard week, it really does turn into counseling. Right. <laughs> but that's okay too, right? Yeah. Because I think so often when you hear about these like, you know, programs or what people have done, you're like, yeah, that's great if you've got nothing else to do for that yeah. six weeks. Right, right. Like if this is your full-time job for six weeks, then sure I can make all these meals and do all this exercise and yeah. get all this sleep that apparently I'm going to get. But, you know, life is in the middle of that. And, right. And also that idea that, you know, I, I struggled so long with the idea of like, you know, having to quit things, right, as in like, you know, that the solution was quitting. 
because I've never really wanted to quit any of the things that I've done. So I had to come to the recognition in my life that I was not, that wasn't the approach for me. I go through periods where I won't drink for months at a time, but I'm never not going to not yeah. yeah not drink. I like drinking. Mm. I just like like to, you know, drink at a level that means that I never have to stop drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, yeah a, and when I feel like I'm doing things or behaving in a way or whatever where like, oh, hang on, if you keep being like this when you're drinking alcohol, people are going to tap you on the shoulder and go, don't drink alcohol. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of my approach with most things is that I – I don't want to have to quit. That's and that and I've never found that a productive thing for me anyway because quitting something like me if I go I'm not going to eat that, you know, chocolate bar or whatever. That's the worst because I'm get definitely that not yeah. going to eat three chocolate bars. Yeah. yeah. When you find you it know? like <laughs> like I did at the service station yeah. going two packets for M&Ms for yeah. $7, how could I not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to eat them all, right? <laughs> and then get like, reflux. Whereas if I'm like I'm just going to eat that chocolate now and be fine with it. And then, then I'm it, fine with it. And that craving almost yeah. disappears because yeah. it's not taken over your body. Like you're right. like, no, no, I, I'm in control of it. I can have it if I want and yeah. I'm going to have it. Yeah. yeah. Like Matt. that sweet lamington that I'm going to Oh, find. yes. You have to do some <laughs> research. I don't know where you're going to go. <laughs> um, well, I, it, it seems very silly to ask you for, <laughs> to plug your shows, but plug the shows. Oh, I mean, no, I'm sure yeah. everyone who's listening already always, does. Always plenty of tickets to yeah. to sell. So um, this comes out just before Comedy Festival, uh, yeah, maybe? Yeah, 20, yeah, March 26th. Yeah, yeah. okay. So um, it, first two weeks were legal, so that's my show about being arrested. Then second two weeks, uh, what you talking about, Will? It is a completely improvised stand-up show, completely different show every night, made up in the room, um, no two shows the same. The whole idea about it is to create something that – you know, no one else will get to see it. It's just mm. special for the audience that is there that night. It's the first time I've ever done it in Melbourne. Mm. And, you know, the comedy theatre is a big theatre. So yeah. <laughs> please buy some tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Come more than once. It's not the same show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only show yeah. that you should like buy, buy nine get one free or yeah. something and, and just that sell you watch next year when there's like another 30 of those shows no show be the same buy one two buy, buy five shows <laughs> love it and um, I, I, then well, Will Informed is touring around uh, the rest of Australia so uh, not, and, uh, not Melbourne but everywhere else and if people don't know uh, Willosophy a uh, fantastic podcast yes, uh, where you chat fans. to a lot of people and also Tofop Fofop uh, two, guys, two guys one cup we'll be back by the time people hear this we'll be back in a footy season so if you like AFL football chat by two people who don't know much about AFL football, oh, they yes. listen to our podcast. Yeah, you guys know. Uh, us, uh, well, I have a Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, and hopefully by this point I've announced my Sydney dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comedy.com.au for all the details. Uh, at Dilruk J on, uh, on uh, Instagram. And yeah, reviews have been good. I haven't had any reviews, but I'm assuming <laughs> by this point at the festival, Brisbane and Perth and Adelaide all went really well. <laughs> and uh, my show, Love Handles, uh, at the Trades Hall, 8.15, uh, 12 shows only. And again, you can be part of the show uh, by by writing a question and putting in a oh, box of Coca-Pops. And that, that way, no show will, uh, two shows will be the same. That's Correct, true. Dill. <laughs> Come and see. Come, Come see it twice. Come see it twice. <laughs> For that two minutes, it'll be two minutes. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Let's, let's add a zero behind that. It's going to be 10 minutes to start and 10 minutes to the end. <laughs> so uh, nice that you think I've written that much material. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot who I was talking to about. <laughs> 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 the okay. king of riffers back, yeah. people. Oh, man. Uh, uh, thanks again so much, Will. Thank That's you, right. My pleasure.